wake up with the sun and struggle through the day and every passing moment watch your life what's up what's up I'm not gonna keep you guys too long today just been a couple of days since I've done a live I think maybe not I feel like if I go for too many hours without talking to you guys, I start to miss you. Tips about the Kundalini. Golly, it's so funny that you asked that. What a synchronicity. Um, I uh, <laughs> This may be a really basic thing. So, so full disclosure. So I've got a weird thing about research that applies almost across the board with pretty much everything but archaeology. Um, <laughs> uh, but as far as spiritual studies go and uh, a lot of different, like neuroscience, especially, I guess neuroscience and, uh, psychology and, um, and just Eastern medicine stuff having to do with the Kundalini and, uh, spiritual energy and stuff. I, uh, um, I tend to shy away from a lot of research cause I want to find things out on my own. Cause I think that a lot of answers can be found by looking within. So, I don't do a ton of research on a lot of, on certain things and a lot of that stuff Ashley, you know, my girlfriend brings to me and I've got other friends in the community and stuff who just bombard me with all this beautiful information. Um, but I, I've got a really neat track record of, of learning things by looking within and then I go do the research on, you know, like limited research on certain things and then I find them out. And Kundalini stuff is kind of like that uh, with me. I, uh, I was... Long long time ago, excuse me. <clears throat> a long time ago, I was uh, I was on a mushroom trip, and I realized that uh, when when I was tripping, I felt this pressure right here uh, in 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 the in the front of my head. And then the next day, I was working on recording a song, and when I was singing, I realized I was singing through this area. My my girlfriend has taken voice lessons and stuff. She's got a beautiful voice. She's an amazingly gifted singer, and she taught me that uh, th this is this is called your mask, and you sing through your mask. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm gonna bring this back to the Kundalini. I promise, I'm not dodging that. But uh, but she taught me that there's this thing called a, a mask, and you sing sort of out of this part of your face. And then I I watched a a, a workshop thing online with uh, with Drunvalo Melchizedek, and he talked about this sort of energetic sort of unicorn thing, uh, energy beam that sort of comes out of that area. Anyway, so I put them all together, and then I realized that if you flare your nostrils and you tense up this part of your head where you can feel these muscles on top of your head sort of tensing up here, that uh, you, that was the same type of pressure that I noticed when I was on that mushroom trip, and it was the same type of pressure that I noticed when I was singing and, and all that. And then uh, studying the chakras and stuff and thinking about the, the sacral chakra, or the, I'm sorry, the root chakra, I realized that if you clench your, like your, if you're, a, I don't know if men have Kegel muscles as well, but I guess where women would have Kegel muscles or you have like your sort of, uh, your, your perineum area or whatever, and you flare your nostrils at the same time, there is this incredible kundalini activation that happens between right here and your, uh, and your root chakra. It's it's really interesting that you have you know if you if you flare your nostrils and you clench up you know your Kegel muscles or whatever is down there that whatever happens when you like whenever you orgasm or something like that I noticed if you do it right now I mean it's there's nothing really all that mystical about it but if you 
if you do them both, there's this, uh, you just, you feel this solidarity that happens between your root chakra and your, your crown chakra. And, um, as far as the Kundalini goes, I mean, that's one of the most interesting things that I've learned on my own. And then on, on that trip the other night that I, I sort of walked you guys through or talked about the other day, uh, I would say that if, if you're working on chakra alignment and all that kind of stuff, and you can learn to activate your uh, activate the Kundalini by using that method of connecting the, the crown chakra to the root chakra through that dual activation method, I found that that was really crazy effective. And I, I told Ashley how to do it, and in three seconds she was able to do it. So for the Kundalini, that's the one trick that I learned myself that I've never read anywhere. And she's like, where'd you learn it? No, I didn't learn it anywhere. I just, you know, <laughs> you look inside, you get some answers. So if you're already doing a lot of the other things and you want to activate your Kundalini energy, I think that um, do the do the nostril flaring thing and make sure that you're clenching these muscles that you're these, uh, you can feel this on top of your head sort of clenching. And then and then uh, do the same with your, your Kegel muscles or whatever downstairs, you know, and, and you can feel that sort of ener energetic connection between those the top and bottom chakras that's that's about the most i have to offer that uh that i think is 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 unique or novel i think just about anything else i could go into more detail on the kundalini but as far as um what the ancients talked about and everything but a lot of that stuff is either more readily available or you can get it from better sources than me or or i have it in other places that i can direct you to that would make more sense than spending a lot of time on it it's, that's not I don't specialize in that, but I, I'm a huge believer in, in activating kundalini energy, very much so. Somebody asked if I'm a vegan. Um, I'm not, um, but, well, I mean, that's a complicated story. So I grew up eating meat like eight days a week, man, just living on meat. We ate steak all the time in the house, and, you know, we were pretty poor growing up, and as soon as we had any money at all, that's the first thing that we started doing. Dad, Mom and Dad started buying badass steaks, and we started living on ribeyes. But um, I switched to eating all organic stuff like seven or eight years ago, um, but still was eating meat. And uh, it's only been in the last year that I've started trying to wean off of meat, and really only in the last few months that I have removed meat from my diet, you know, 90%. Um, and I still do. I don't eat red meat. I haven't had red meat. I guess I had steaks uh, for some special occasion. My dad cooked a bunch of steaks at a, at a big family get-together, and I had one of them. It was amazing. But um, I'm a big believer in cutting out red meat. Uh, uh, Pythagoras, which a lot of people don't realize, was, a, was an amazing philosopher, not just a mathematician and stuff. He was an amazing philosopher, and he was really a, very much a, a Christ figure, a Jesus figure in history. If you haven't done a lot of research on Pythagoras, you, you really should. But uh, he, he, was, uh, he was a judge... Um, uh, among among the Greeks also, and, and an advisor to the to the whole judiciary and the government and everything, and and he 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 made it so that it was forbidden for uh, judges to eat red meat within three days of a, of a hearing or of a trial, because he uh, he believed that that eating red meat impaired your judgment, uh, which I think is interesting because if you look around society and you see all the people that eat red meat, like. Um, uh, I don't just mean your average, you know, meat eater, but like, just think of the stereotypical. Like, I, I kind of like looking at stereotypes. I don't live by stereotypes, but I like looking at them and seeing what the validity validity is to each one. And if you look at like the hardcore meat eater guys, you know, you think like Republican, gun toting, eating lots of steak and red meat. And these are not usually very balanced people. They're very left brain, masculine people with a lot of machismo and stuff like that. I mean, I, I love my guns. I got a lot of guns, and I grew up as redneck as it gets. I still love my guns, but 
uh, I don't like killing animals, but, um, you know, I think that's the thing for me is I just, I want to get off the red meat completely, which I'm, you know, 99% been off of that for, for months and, uh, stop eating as much meat as I possibly can. Yeah. Red meat's super, super bad. For me, though, I think the thing is, um, well, let me address the herb question real quick, and I'll get right back to red meat. Yes, I smoke herb. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't do it, you know, constantly. You know, for a long time, when I was going through issues in my life, I, w- I would smoke herb every single day, lots and lots of it. And it didn't affect my productivity. I mean, I run a company. I, I take care of my kids. I'm a, I'm a, you know, fairly productive member of society. Um, I think if you have your shit together and you have good organizational habits down in your life, then there are a lot more harmful things to your productivity than smoking herb. Um, but uh, uh, I, these days, I don't have to do it that much. The more balanced you get, the better your diet is, the better your the better your sleep your sleep is, and the more mindful you are, the more you meditate, the less you have to smoke. But it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it or that you can't have a good relationship with the plant. And that's what I think it's all about. Everything in life is relationships. And, um, you know, it's no secret that, you know, I'm a, a huge fan of Graham Hancock and I refer to him a lot, but I mean, he's a guy that smoked herb, uh, all the time and he quit because he realized he developed a, uh, an unhealthy relationship with marijuana. And, uh, I'm kind of that way, you know, if I don't, if I don't want to get high, I won't get high. If I, if I, uh, you know, I don't do it all the time, uh, if I don't want to, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Just have a healthy, have a healthy relationship with it. Let me cruise through here and see what I missed. I try not to look at the comments too much when I'm mid-thought because I realize I derail on you guys. Okay, meditation. Um, meditation's a must. Meditation's a must. It's a must. There's no question. Whether you go vegan, vegetarian, cut out meat, cut out alcohol, cut out whatever you want, pharmaceuticals, which I you know, I could get on pharmaceuticals if you want later, but uh, I took Adderall every day for 12 years and needed it and Xanax for anxiety, and, and I cut that out with meditation and, and psychedelics and cannabis. Um, all in very, very healthy amounts versus something that was, that was tearing my body apart and driving my nuts insane. And, um, by nuts, I don't mean my balls. I mean, driving, driving me nuts and insane, I guess. Uh, you don't want to, uh, live on pharmaceuticals whenever you don't have to. That's something that, uh, that meditation can do for you. Meditation is important. Hold on to that music question. I'm going to get back to that. Don't let me forget about music. Super important. Don't let me forget about that one. Um, yeah, you'll have to forgive the hair, guys. It is mad hot in here right now. It's like 25 degrees outside, and I've got the heater cranked up. But, uh, <clears throat> no, every every day, so every morning when I wake up, my routine is sort of, I'll either get up and read, like, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, uh, or some kind of spiritual book that I resonate with that, 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 uh, that moves me in some way. And, uh, and then I'll do that for about 15 minutes and then I meditate for about 15 minutes and think about it and it gets you centered and balanced. And then I prepare my day in my head while I'm meditating. So prepare yourself for the things that you know you're going to encounter and then prepare yourself for things that that you may encounter everything down to a car wreck. You don't have to think about everything, everything in the world, but just what could possibly pop up in, in, in a remotely likely scenario that could throw you off balance and then think ahead about how you want to handle that. Um, and meditation allows you to do it. And Ashley and I talk about it all the time. If you don't meditate, you can tell on the days that you don't meditate, you can see it in your relationships. It's a, it does have a spiraling effect when you're off balance and off center. It does have a spiraling effect and your day is so much more controlled when you meditate than, than when you don't, um, talking to JC, 
You guys probably know him from some of the podcasts, and you'll get really used to seeing him. Um, talking to him the other day, or shit, maybe it was today. I can't remember. Anyway, was talking about the the only thing that you really control is your intention. And if you're not mindful, then you're not in control of your intentions, or at least your intentions are not in control of what's going on in your life. And that's something I'm really big on, and that's a great topic for us to get into at some point is the only thing you control is your intention. You don't control your fingers. You don't control your toes or your arms. You don't control your body when you get up to go to the bathroom. You control your intention, and then your intention handles all the neurological and physiological things that need to happen from that point on. Everything, everything that you that you say, and you intend to think about positive things, then that's what you're going to think of. And you can, your intention is the spotlight inside of your mind that you point at the thoughts that you want to contemplate on. That's your will. You control your will. You control your intention. That's the only thing you control in life, in the entire world. And the more of your pie chart of potentiality that you fill with your own intention and your own will, the more in control you are of your own life. So meditation is so key. You just and, and and then what you do with that meditation is important also. I think somebody asked a question about how to meditate. Um, we probably need to do a whole thing on that. I uh, I'd love to do that. I don't know. If, I I don't, I don't want to kind of shaft everybody else who wants to talk though. I'm sorry. I, a lot of people have a lot of good questions and stuff. What do you think? Right, well, the music. Let me get to the music thing. Come back with that, Logan. Uh, the music thing. So oh God, I could get into music all day long. Um, with music, it depends on what you want to do. When I go to the gym, I listen to Rise Against primarily. I listen to Rise Against and, um, it's a band I, I like a lot, but it's, it's the thing about music. I've done so many sort of internal research studies, thought, thought experiments and stuff on this. Um, and then also just looking at, at, at acoustics and stuff like that and understanding how resonance works on, on the psyche and, the tone of the music has effects on certain parts of your psyche. The pitch of the music has effects on certain aspects of your of your psyche, and the um, the fluctuations therein. There we go. All right, other cameras back online. I don't know why it does that. It's a Mac. These things are supposed to never mess up. Um, so with music, yeah, I mean, if uh, we listen to a ton of sound frequencies in our house all the time, uh, go to YouTube, look up sound frequencies. They have different sound frequencies for. Um, you know, for healing, for growth, for transformation, for, uh, you know, for, uh, letting, you know, for DNA reconstruction. I mean, there's all kinds of sound frequencies. So we do a lot of sound frequencies. We sleep with, uh, you know, with sound frequencies on the radio or on the, uh, stereo thing, the speaker. And, uh, you can get nature sounds. I like the nature sounds. Nature has a calming effect on the spirit. Um, so it'll be like a waterfall sound, like an actual recording of a waterfall with like 432 hertz behind it or something like that. You wake up, you dream better. We've never dreamed as much as we do nowadays now that we've discovered all these different things. Lots of tricks to that. Uh, and then as far as, you know, other music in, in your daily life, um, country music is very simple in structure. It's very simple in form. And so uh, it will both appeal to and perpetuate more simple uh, thought processes. You know, I won't go into any more detail on that. I don't, I don't want anyone to think I'm saying that country music people are simple-minded. That's not the case. But it, 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 it does appeal to and perpetuate more simple mindsets. It's, con it's, it's less, as a musician, I can just tell you that it's factually, most country songs are, are just built around simpler song structure. You listen to symphony, symphony or orchestra music, 
it's a, it's the opposite. It's very complex, many layers, many tones, many pitches, many different textures of instruments from strings to horns and all that stuff. Um, classical music is uh, is extremely stimulating for, for the mind and, and for growth patterns in, in neurology. Um, what was after music? Who had the next question? Well, we'll just go, Logan, what did, Lo I remember Logan said something, what did Logan say? What do I think the world will be like once cannabis is recreationally legal? Oh, loving the live videos and posts. You are so awesome. You are so awesome, Logan. Thank you very much. That's awfully nice of you. What do I think the world will be like when cannabis is legal across the board? Jesus. I'll tell you what it'll be like. Um, you're going to have a whole lot less people in, in prison. Uh, you're going to have a whole lot less people of color that are, that are uh, um, uh, unequally oppressed and, and, and caught in a trap uh, that's sort of meant for that very purpose. Um, not that white people don't get arrested for pot too all the time. I got friends that have been, um, hell, I nearly have been myself, but, uh, but once, once pot's legal, I mean, you have a lot less people in prison. You have a lot less people getting put away for bullshit that ruins their lives. And most importantly, I think you'll have a lot of people, my drinking cut back so much when I started smoking pot, it cut back a ton, but I don't care what anybody says. Nobody, well, very few people are the best version of themselves when they're drinking alcohol, right? They're, you're just, most people are not the best version of yourself when you're really wasted. In to th that same ratio of people, uh, that few people are, 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 are a worse version of themselves when they're stoned versus when they're, when they're not stoned, right? I'm, as a guy who has had anxiety his whole life, I can tell you, uh, and knowing a lot of people who have anxiety, Using cannabis is a uh, is a tremendous um, ally whenever you're battling anxiety. Uh, it's super helpful. So you don't hear about it like a, a dad getting stoned and beating the crap out of his wife and his kids, but you do hear about dads getting drunk and beating the crap out of their wife and kids. That does happen. So that's I think you know when 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 cannabis is legalized across the board, that's what you're going to get. A lot of happy, playful dads <laughs> um, instead of uh, drunk, angry ones. That's the biggest thing. Uh, what age was I when I became conscious? That's an interesting question, too. Um, because I, when I was five years old, my dad had a series of books in the house that was like a uh, Mysteries of the World series. And I, uh, I picked it up one day, and I still remember I picked it up, and I started reading about Atlantis and Egypt and... Um, I mean, I'm not saying all this stuff is valid or that I'm, you know, a subscriber to all these ideas these days, but it, it got my, my ideas open, my, my mind open to these different ideas like hollow earth and um, UFOs and uh, ley lines and all kinds of stuff. So my whole life, I was always fascinated with this stuff. You know, I read A Wrinkle in Time. I read all Jules Verne stuff. I um, was reading a lot of, of books on, on, on physics and stuff and, and metaphysics when I was in high school. And of course, you know, the Lord of the Rings stuff too. But just about everything I read was was really oriented on esotericism. I was always fascinated with Freemasonry and the Illuminati from the time I was very young. So I, uh, as far as the age that I actually woke up, to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I'd have to say I was I'm 33. You know, I um, 
It was uh, it was 0717-2017. It was uh, July 17th of this year when I would say that I was really awake. I mean, I ran a website talking about esotericism and the Illuminati and um, uh, the Bilderberg Group and the Trilateral Commission and false flag attacks. I mean, I did all that stuff 10 years ago. I had a website on holistic medicine and all these things. But I wouldn't say that I was awake in the way that I am now. Um, I knew that, uh, you know, we were sort of in a matrix type of world, but there's levels to this stuff. There's levels to awakening. But, but as far as connecting to my truest, highest self in a way that I understood what, my, what the fullness of my potentiality was as a, as a sentient being, the fact that we are all born gods of our own universe and being able to uh, affect change in our own reality to just about any extent that we can imagine, um, that's what I consider the ultimate awake, awakening, the ultimate uh, achievement of Gnosticism in a person's life. And that didn't happen for me until July of this year. And that, uh, that changed everything for me. But I, I'd always been studying this stuff and I'd always been into this stuff way more than, you know, way more than I ever knew was weird. I kind of thought everybody was, you know, I didn't realize how weird I was until the last couple of years. Uh, no, we don't sleep with headphones. I just, we have a, we have a really gnarly speaker. Matter of fact, I'm going to show this off because I, I never have it near me, but I happen to have it near me now and I got to show this bad boy off. All right, let me see for the, for the, uh, the Instagram guys and then for, for YouTube later for the podcast. This is a JBL Extreme. No, I am not getting paid by JBL because they don't give a shit about me. I am not that big. But I brag about this to everybody. You're not bragging about it, but tell everybody. My, my mom got one. My brother got one. Everybody's got one because they're amazing. It's a Bluetooth speaker. The bass, the sound, everything is just phenomenal. Get yourself one. They have smaller ones. You can tether them together and put them all over your house. Control them with an app. They're amazing speakers. You got to get one. So we turn that on in the, in, the, in the bedroom, and it's almost like having surround sound in there. And we turn the waterfall sounds on. Um... What I'm doing on the website right now, and you got to just, just work with me, guys. It's taking a while to get all this stuff up myself. I'm getting more help. But I'm put, I'm going to put all the links to my different playlists on YouTube on the website. So if you guys want to check out what I'm listening to, um, what I'm watching, what videos and stuff like that, you'll, you'll uh, you know, I'll, 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 I'll lead you guys in, in the right direction. The, the website's already got a rabbit hole link on it right now. So you can look at that. Jesus, it's so hot in here. Hold on. I'm going to open this window. Don't tell Ashley. Or actually do, but remind me to close it later. Because it's behind this curtain. And I don't want anybody, like, getting any ideas, you know? Beautiful. Beautiful. Look at that. Built-in air conditioning. Built-in air conditioning. Yeah, I've got... <laughs> The, the thing is on my on my YouTube I, I can link all, all my playlists to the website but I don't have playlists on my YouTube filled out yet because I I just I just do searches all the time <laughs> you know I do searches and I go through my history and I rewatch certain things and then I I click on links here and there but I, I really want I'm gonna get I'm gonna start making it a dedicated effort over the next few weeks and, and going forward in the future whenever I see a good video I'm gonna add it to a playlist. And then whenever you click on that playlist link on the rabbit hole page of the shamanicphilosophy.com website, you'll be able to get the uh, the full playlist. So if you go on there right now, it, it looks super bare. I don't want you guys to think it's going to stay that way. It's going to get a lot better. I just haven't. It just takes time. 
All right, let's see what we got. What are we talking about? Any insight on the ice cream cones used to shape and move stones in megalithic structures? So I'm assuming you're asking about the cones that's Badger Lab. I'm assuming you're asking about the cones that um, Michael Tellinger has found in South Africa. And uh, that's the cones that I'm aware of. Is that the ones you're talking about, Badger? The cones that Michael Tellinger found in South Africa? I don't know. What what is my delay like on this? Are you guys hearing me like in real time or is it like 30 seconds later? I don't know. Michael Tellinger is a researcher from South Africa. Um, and uh, I've, I've been following him for, I mean, a decade for sure. And he has found these cones. Um, well, hell, he's found all these ruins, like these stone circles all over South Africa. Um, there's like the Great Zimbabwe ruins, uh, which everybody knows about. And then they're all over the place, all over South Africa. Yeah, and I heard there was one inside the Pyramid of Giza too, but isn't that the one that like some uh, some Arabic like sheikh or sultan or something sent some army to the to the Great Pyramid back in like the seven seventh or eighth century or something? They busted in the pyramid and they they found a cone and a few other small things or something like that. Um, well, first of all, just to put it out there. Uh, I totally think that they were moving stones using some mystical methods, what we would call mystical, and they would just call basic science, you know, <laughs> construction science or whatever they would call it, um, geologic, just a higher ge geophysical understanding of things than what we have. Um, I don't know how they used them, obviously, but uh, just so you guys know, one of the biggest areas of study that I'm engaged in right now and that I'm really dedicated to for the for the foreseeable future being maybe the rest of my life, but certainly the next few years is, is the work of Tesla and uh, geophysics and, um, you know, trying to understand more about geology and uh, electromagnetic properties of, of stone and, and minerals and stuff like that. So I would really like to be able to tell you that I think that I'll have some answers there for you um, in the future. But I definitely think those cones had something to do with being able to create some sort of or, or or attenuate some sort of harmonic resonance that allowed them to move things. I just don't know how. I have no idea. Do you believe that we can build a mind palace for storing memory? Can you you'd have to explain that more. I don't know. Um I think that I think that we have one. I mean I think that our mind is a palace. Um you know uh, we have uh we have the ability to do some amazing things mentally. You know, we can do some really cool stuff. One of the, one of the things that I'm I'm enjoying doing, I haven't done it in a little while, but it, for for a few months on and off, like everything else that I'm working on, I was working on imagination exercises on uh, just building your imagination and getting different parts of your brain to work with each other, like to do mental math and stuff like that. So you could store like do like four by four multiplication in your mind. Uh, which is a teachable thing, and I did it by assigning color codes and stuff like that to the different equations and products that you were coming up with. And then that way, because if you do a big complicated multiplication problem or any math problem, the problem is we can all do like the first part and break down the equations and stuff, but you always lose track of what your products and sums and stuff were, and you can't carry it over to the next equation or the next part of the equation. So what I did was called solving by color, and that's on the website. I can't promise you that it's <laughs> it's something that's going to make any sense to you. But, uh, you know, I was able to teach it to a couple of my buddies and, and, and one of my kids, too. 
So uh, I think the mind is kind of a palace. You can do a lot with it. We just got to use more of it and teach your brain to, um, there's a, uh, a mental condition called synesthesia. There's a guy named Daniel Tammet that I've been fascinated with since high school, uh, you know, 20 or 15 plus years. And he has synesthesia and his brain, all the different parts of his brain talk to each other. When you're on mushrooms, the same thing happens. And he was able to, he's able to like remember pi to the 25,000th digit or something like that. He learned conversational Icelandic in like two hours on his way on a, on a flight to an Icelandic talk show. He's a British guy. And it's like the hardest language in the world to learn. So as far as the mind being a palace, I think it is a palace. We just have to learn how to use it better. And we have to become more aware of our senses. So like I'll do practices where I'll walk through my, my house at night, either blindfolded or, or in the dark. And just listen, smell, and try to feel the energy in the air. And you can feel when you walk by a couch. You can feel that there's a sound difference in, in that part of, of, of your peripheral sort of hearing range where there's softness, you know, and, and there's more sound coming from here and there. And it's kind of how blind people work. So the mind is a palace. It's a beautiful palace. You just got to do, do the right things. Uh, let's see what they got. Suggest a book which moved me. I'll get there. That's a good one. Do you think the government knows about things that they keep from us? If so, what do you think they hide? Well, holy cow. Uh, yeah, they hide a lot. They hide a whole lot. I could The list could just go on. Hell, I could direct you to my old website if I still remembered it. That's all I used to do is talk about the library of information that the government's hiding from us at all times. I've got their their uh, you know the uh, the FOIA files, Freedom of Information Act. It's an acronym FOIA. It's the uh, the files that have been declassified. People file FOIA requests, and they can get uh, government documents declassified, and they can uh, you can go read them on the government website. And there's some crazy shit on there, just absolutely mind blowing stuff that you talk to most people about it, and they won't even believe you. You know, like they think you just read it on some bullshit internet, internet site, but like it's on the government website. Yeah, the government hides everything. It's crazy stuff. Um, books that have moved me. Uh, well, so one in particular has been on my mind a lot lately is A Wrinkle in Time. My girlfriend just read it. I read it in like fourth or fifth grade. Um, the movie's about to come out. And that, that, that book has just been on my mind a lot lately. So if you're going to ask me about a book that's moved me, I would say that that is one of the most important books I ever read. And it gave me a, an understanding of four-dimensional time. It's a book written in like 63, like 1963. It's like 55 years old or something like that. And it is absolutely life-changing if you read it. And it's a beautifully a beautifully written book. But it, it's, it's, uh, it's insane how relevant and how, how accurate it is to modern science and to, uh, to life today. As far as when they, when they, if you're a part of this conscious community, uh, reading a wrinkle in time will blow your mind. If you've never read it, if you just read it and then realize that the people who, uh, or, or the, I think it was a lady, a lady that wrote it. Um, you know, she talks about different Jesus figures coming back over, over the course of time, Jesus and Da Vinci and Buddha and Gandhi and, all these different people. A Wrinkle in Time is just an amazing book. It's something you should read. Uh, I finally started reading The Universal One by Walter Russell. Everybody's been asking me if I started reading it because I posted that video after it got in the mail. And then Christmas happened. 
And uh, I was preoccupied with Christmas and kids and everything. But I can tell you just the just the the first chapter, having gotten into it already, it's it's mind blowing. It's kind of like the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. Oh, and and for that matter, if you want to know, uh, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth are the most transformative thing that I've ever read in my life. The Emerald Tablets of Thoth, um, transcribed as they say, or maybe just written by Doctor Doriel um, in like 1929 or 37 or something like that. I can't remember. He was a member of the uh, of the Pyramid Brotherhood. Um, uh, probably a high-ranking Freemason or something like that. Uh, supposedly, he channeled Thoth and got information on how to find these tablets, and he went and got them and translated them. Um, I don't know if any of that's true, but the point is, truth is truth, and when you know truth, you 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 know truth. And uh, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth are, are the, the most moving, most impactive thing I've ever read in my life, and I still read them regularly because... Uh, I don't give a shit who wrote them, whether it was Doriel making it all up or it was Thoth himself. I mean, I've been on mushroom trips and visited with Thoth, and I, I don't know that I believe that channeling is what what everybody thinks it is. Maybe I just don't understand it the way I... <laughs> maybe I don't understand it sufficiently. Yeah, Mina, go back and read it. It, 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 it. You'll love it. You'll have a whole new respect for it. It's beautiful. Just a beautiful book. But the Emerald Tablets are great by Thoth the Atlantean. Not to be confused with Thoth Hermes Trismegistus, the Greek philosopher who I believe is a totally different person, but uh, does bring up a whole conversation we're not going to have about Thoth being a reoccurring spiritual construct uh, that manifests time and time again over the course of massive spans of time. Thoth Hermes, Pythagoras, Da Vinci... Everybody was just, Newton. Everybody was was uh, translating the the writings of of Thoth, Hermes Trismegistus, and I think that the uh, the original writings probably did come from uh, Thoth the Atlantean a long, long time ago. It's the best thing I've ever read. Most important thing I've ever read. Totally changed my life in every way. Psychedelics. I think somebody asked about psychedelics. Yeah, Logan, you asked. Um, I just did a I just did a a, a post mushroom trip podcast the other day. I wasn't very animated. I was still kind of coming back to earth, but uh, you know, for a responsible, healthy adult, I'm not a doctor and can't give any kind of advice on that. But for a responsible, healthy adult, um, I I can't recommend just any psychedelics. But I can tell you that when my kids are are of age and and once I I feel they have a good grip on their life and on reality I will personally make sure that I take mushrooms with my own children and and have tried to take them with my own parents because I think they're the most important thing that a person can do. I I've I've taken LSD but I didn't have any kind of an experience with it. Um it was just probably not uh not not you know high caliber maybe. But um but I've taken a lot of mushrooms and they've done nothing but make me a better person, a better father. Um, a better family member, a better, you know, coworker, just made me a better human being in every imaginable way. Cause it puts a microscope on you. The last trip I had was Friday night. We ate like five grams of these penis envy mushrooms that were like Terrence McKenna's personal flavor of mushrooms. And, uh, oh, and that was, uh, I've never had a microscope on myself quite so closely. Came, came away realizing I had a lot of, of self-loathing and a lot of, uh, a lot of self-doubt and stuff I needed to work with. And a lot of things I needed to do to be to be more receptive to love and be more pursuant of love and stuff like that. So yeah, if you're a responsible, healthy adult, then I can at least tell you that uh, properly sourced um, 
mushrooms coming from a from a, a trustworthy source. Um, I just I, I can't say enough good about them. I, I do say try to stay away from small doses. Do it right in the right set and setting. Don't party with them, you know. But uh, but but definitely, um, if you do them right, you do them in a in a good safe environment. And you feel safe and you feel good about it. You've done your research and you treat the experience with the respect that you should. Uh, then psychedelics are are almost always a good thing when done right. And all things, again, in moderation, having a good relationship with everything is important. More info about Gunung Padang. Um, more than more than that post the other day. Did you just see my post? Gita? If uh, yeah, I mean Gunung Padang is um, is a pyramid, and well, I don't know what you saw. If you if it was just if you saw me talking about it the other day on the live. I probably don't need to go into it again in, in any more detail than that. Um, but if you just saw the post I made, I'm happy to kind of fill you in real quick. But it's a it's a it's a, it's a hill in West Java, down in the uh, Southwest Pacific, down near um, Indonesia and and Cambodia and all that all that stuff, sort of up between Australia and I guess whatever's down there. Korea or whatever. Anyway, you know where it is. Indonesia, Java, West Java. Um, yeah, there's not been a whole lot of archaeology done down there, and there was a great big hill, and they uh, they found. Hi there, Christy. Um, they found. Uh, I don't know. Somebody got the idea to start digging up the top of this hill, and they found out that it wasn't just a hill. There was a huge pyramid built on top of it, and it's a giant step pyramid. That looks just like a Mexican, like a Mayan pyramid, and they've done core drill samples on it. And uh, there's a um, uh, a geophysicist and geologist. He's actually a UC uh, University. He's like a UC Berkeley trained geologist. I think his name is Danny Hildman Nadiwajaja, and he is uh, he's a renowned volcanologist. He studies volcanoes, megathrust, earthquake, earthquakes, and stuff like that. Um, uh, very well-credentialed scientist with, without any question on his on his credentials. And uh, he's been doing a lot of work there. They did some core samples. They found out that this thing, the pyramid, as far down as they've been able to drill so far, they know that it's 25,000-plus years old, which if you are familiar with the uh, the traditional dating of the human uh, story, of, of the story of human civilization and the origins of it, um, you know, Stonehenge is 5,000 years old. The pyramids are supposed to be 5,000 years old. This thing's 25, right? Gobekli Tepe's 12,000 in Turkey, which has already shattered the whole world of, of human history to smithereens. This is twice again at least as old as, as, as uh, Gobekli Tepe. So Gunung Padang is, uh, is absolutely crazy. They, the government came in and shut down the excavation site, kicked Danny and everybody out of it. Um, you know, more establishment scientists coming in and trying to do their thing, um, shutting down the information flow. Nassim Harriman, he's uh, he's an astronomer, is that right? Is Nassim Harriman an astronomer? I think so. He he's done some work on Gobekli Tepe. I think he's on the uh, the astronomical alignments at Gobekli Tepe. I think I think if that's who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that dude's smart, man. <laughs> I I like uh, I'm a wannabe Nassim Harriman. Like I you know I, I I'm always looking for astronomical alignments at all the sites and stuff that we you know we go to or that I look up online, I'm always trying to find 
especially when you're there in person, you know. Yeah, he's. I don't. I don't. I haven't read a bunch of his stuff. I've read a bunch of excerpts from him on different um, on different particular sites and everything, but I don't. I don't know a ton about him. Other than the fact that he's a hell of a lot smarter than I am. I uh, I'm good at good at taking information from really smart people like him, and then compiling it, and making making sense of it for for other people like myself. If you would DM me Danny Hillman's contact, I would kiss you square in the face. Give me Danny Hillman's contact. I would that would just mean the world to me. House, thank you very much. You got tons of knowledge, man. Respect. Thank you. You're just awesome. Okay, so Harriman is a physicist. Great work on unified field theory, consciousness, and Egypt research. Okay. Yeah, I think I've come. Yeah, I've come across him on on. He did work on the Giza Plateau, astronomical alignments there. Obviously, being a being a Graham Hancock fanatic, I've come across uh, Harriman's work inside Graham's work. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into him more. And I feel so bad sometimes. You guys throw so much good information at me and like good questions and stuff. But man, I I just I'm so I can't. Uh, excuse me. I can't read it all. Like I can't read all of the the works of all these great minds. I wish I I wish I could just I wish I had like four of me and one of me could just sit around and read books all day long. I read as much as I can. But I'm always trying to do these videos, I try to do podcasts. I'm working on the website. I'm working on like five books right now and it's hard to get it all done. But these these little chats like this are like my favorite thing, man. I really do. You guys you stimulate my brain. I appreciate it so much. I'll look into that. All right, let's do one or two more questions if you guys got them. I'm recording this for the podcast, so let me just drop it in real quick and plug it. Um, make sure you go to the YouTube channel. Make sure you go to the website. It's still we're we're gonna come up with the new the new websites in the works. It's gonna be a whole new, much more interactive. But I'm even filling out the old one now on my own, um, just to give you guys a resource because everybody wants to know what I'm reading, what I'm watching, what I'm listening to. You know, what links I'm visiting, which websites and all that stuff. So I'm trying to get, a, at least if nothing else, there's a rabbit hole link on the website in the shamanicphilosophy.com. And you can go uh, check out the uh, the rabbit hole page and see what we're doing on there. Um, and like I said, that's going to continue to get filled out more and more as I have time. So like, follow, subscribe, and share all the stuff. Make sure you subscribe on the YouTube too. It makes me feel, it makes me feel good because you guys... Um, Everybody following on Instagram is so amazing. I want to get that YouTube that YouTube number up just so we can reach as many people as possible. I posted a nice video that meant a lot to me earlier on the the uh, the Instagram deal. Go have a look because I want you guys to understand something before I go any further. And I really really mean this, guys. The um, the video I just posted earlier, um, I can't look at it because you know, I'm on my phone right now. Uh, but the one I posted uh, posted today. That, that explains what the shamanic philosophy community is all about. Uh, that is entirely uh, an advertisement for the love that you guys have brought me. That the, the, the love that you guys all share within this community and with each other, that video is entirely directed back at you guys. I mean, you, you guys have, have, have created this whole community of truth seekers and people that are trying to spread love and knowledge. And I wanted to sort of pay tribute to you, you guys with that video. So please share that with everybody you can. Anybody you think that's a lone wolf that's on their own thinking, you know, they're up at night reading stuff that nobody else is reading, asking questions nobody else is asking. 
bring your friends, bring everybody into this. Let's wake people up and let's wake people up to the love and the knowledge and understanding that we're all trying to build together. So go check that out. Um, and let's keep building this community. We've grown like 3,000% in very, very little time. Mina, you're awesome. Super awesome. Uh, movie. Oh, Jesus, man. Movies are movies are interesting. Um, I just watched Valerian. Valerian. That was a good movie. I just watched the new Star Wars movie. I've never seen like the other Star Wars movies, but JC made me go watch it. And if you want a movie that talks a, that, that demonstrates a lot of balance and truth uh, of the universal sort, the Star Wars uh, movies, at least that last one, seems to be chock full of that. Um, I mean, personally, <laughs> you know, I, uh, um, God, man, I mean, Gangs of New York is probably my favorite movie of all time, but, you know, for the purposes of, of personal growth and development, it's probably not what you're looking for. Um, anything with Daniel Day-Lewis, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is the man. Uh, what else with movies? I don't know. Princess Bride. It's like one of my favorites when I was little. Still love it. But no, Gangs of New York. That's just in a, in a whole league of its own. I watched uh, Silence of the Lambs when I was probably too young to, to have been watching that responsibly. But I'm a big Anthony Hopkins fan, so pretty much anything there I love with Anthony Hopkins. Uh, the Edge with Anthony Hopkins. Great movie. It's about oh oh what am I talking about? JC just got me to rewatch Apocalypto the other day. Have you guys seen Apocalypto? We're gonna do a whole movie review on Apocalypto. Jesus, I can't believe I left that out. Apocalypto is the best freaking movie ever in my mind right now. Have you guys watched it? Mel Gibson, check it out. I know the delay is not gonna let me get an answer back from you, Gita. Thank you so so much. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to reach out to Danny. I'll see if I can't get him on a podcast or something. That'd be amazing. Get the man himself on a podcast. Yeah, Apocalypto is a good one. Um, I never appreciated it when I watched it when it first came out. You know, I was into the Mayans and stuff, so I watched it then. But JC demanded that I uh, that I watch it again now that he he's woken up and. I've been kind of there for that process, seeing seeing him waking up and growing, and he he comes to me. He he's he's like the he's my creative better half, you know. So he kind of comes back. He's like, dude, oh my god, I went and saw Apocalypto. Have you seen it? Like it blew my mind with all this this understanding of truth and balance and stuff, which is you know we haven't gotten in, into that as much in in this in our little chats here. You guys haven't heard me talk as much about it, but I mean, there's truth in everything, and the good directors, the good writers. Um, are putting that much more truth in their stuff. The reason you like a good movie is because it has truth in it. If it doesn't make sense, it's not true, you won't like it. That's what a bad movie does. But Apocalypto is just truth wall to wall. And we're going to do a movie re movie review on, on Apocalypto. Maybe tomorrow, actually. Uh, he got sick today. JC did. I'm going to send your prayers to him. Um, we're going to do a movie review on Apocalypto. We're going to start breaking down, doing movie reviews, doing truth doing uh, truth reviews within movies. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think you guys are going to like the way that we, we look at movies. You've never seen movie reviews like what we're going to be doing. Nothing like it. We're not talking about, you know, 
the, the usual stuff. We're going into the, the, the philosophy, the truth, and the balance of these movies. And just showing how all movies are trying to tell truth and all, all good movies do. Okay, last one. I only got time for one more. Then I've got to go. Mina, I want to talk to you more about that um, when we have some time. I really do. That's such an interest. I wondered about that when I was watching it. Because, you know, if you've read Graham Hancock's War God, I might have mentioned that to you last time. Um, uh, that, that book a while back, I think we talked. But uh, I'm so fascinated with the Hispanic community's relationship with their heritage, with their, their true heritage. Having a lot of Hispanic friends that I grew up with who were sort of, um, what is the word? Is it discompatriated? What is the word? Who, when you become disconnected from your origins... Um, and a lot of them came, you know, came here, um, uh, not on the books and stuff like that. Or even if they did, you know, they didn't come from, you know, you just, you, you, I think a lot of them lost their heritage and, and the Hispanic heritage is one of the most beautiful and the Hispanic people are just some of the people are all beautiful, but I mean, just, I, I've known so many good Hispanic people. They're just amazing people. And, and, and the culture there seems to have been lost it, like African-Americans, like, like all people of color. I think there's a, a, a huge loss of culture there. But Apocalypto, uh, for a Hispanic person, I would love to hear you have a conversation with you about that, what your thoughts are on that. Okay, guys, I think that may be it. And let me just tell you how much I love you. I hope that 2018, I know that 2018 is going to be amazing for all of you, for you and for your families and for your growth and development. And just remember, just keep in mind, man, you can do anything you set your mind to. You create your own, your own reality. And when people shit on you, it's up to you on how you respond to that. And how you respond to that determines the situation you get into because of it. And that situation is going to determine the decisions you make as a result of that situation. And that's going to result in the next change in your life. Believe in yourself and look within. You got all the power in the world, man. You got all the love in the world. I'm here for each and every one of you. If you ever need anything, I, uh, I am not omniscient or omnipotent or omni-anything. But I am available. And I do care about you guys so much, and I'm so appreciative of you guys. So have a wonderful 2018. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. May the light be upon you. May life be within you. And may you be a sun on the paths of all men. I love you guys so much. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.